listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is Corey running it solo tonight, Derek and JK3 have abandoned me to go on vacation. Uh, no worries. It's unapproved, but uh, I will escalate it to HR. So, you know, they'll hear about that. Just a heads up. Um, I'm proud to say, though, we do have a guest with us to talk Jaguars, and that is Ian Wharton. Ian is an NFL analyst whose work you can find on Line Sports, Sportsbook Review, Complex Sports, and Fan Sided, talking not only about the football side of things, but also betting and fantasy. Um, he's one of my favorite followers on Twitter at NFL film study and probably has seen an uptick in the amount of attention he's paid to the Jaguars due to the kind of upheaval we've had this off season. So Ian, thank you. And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, man. Happy to jump on. Like, I mean, it's a great time of the year. We can get a lot of good bets and we can get a lot of fantasy projections. Like this is, this is the calm before the storm, but at the same time for those of us who are, you know, really digging in deep, like this is the start of the season. So there's not much lap, you know, laps over between, end of the season, start of the season, but I mean, it pays off. So I'm, right. I'm real excited. And, and honestly, like the Jaguars, I've written about them a couple of times already this off season, just because they, they've done so much. So I'm excited to, to hop on with you. Yeah, no. Awesome. The betting part is the only thing I, I am not at all familiar with. And I did see today that there were some, uh, I don't know, over under, I don't know any of the terminology, but on <laughs> Tim Tebow's possible receiving yards this year. So I guess people are betting on that. Yeah, yeah, there's some lines out there that it's just, okay, I mean, if you want to take those, good luck, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, what caught my attention is that you have the Jaguars in your list of teams who can potentially go from worst to first in our division this coming season, and we're trying to be kind of cautiously optimistic about the season with a brand new coach who's like new to the NFL completely and Urban Meyer and rookie quarterback, even if it is Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's still a rookie. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things to be excited about, but we're trying not to get too hyped up just based on our record last year. So, um, you know, what kind of drove you to, to put us in that list? Can you talk about what they've done and are doing this offseason and maybe what your outlook on the AFC South is as a whole? Yeah. So um, those I'm familiar with the article, I looked at each of the last uh, the, the teams that finished last last year in each of their divisions. Right. So there's eight divisions, the team that finished last in each of those eight divisions try to rank them and say, these are the worst of first candidates. So who could possibly jump up to win the division? Um, there's always a team or two that does this every year. It just kind of depends. Like injuries are usually a big factor in that. Um, so the 49ers I had first, the Jaguars I had third. And I don't think it's incredibly likely that they would make that jump just because the Titans and Colts probably have a better sense of uh, depth on their roster and, and they're a little bit more proven but I'm also not so sold on those two teams to where I would say there's no chance the Jaguars could do this. Like, so, I mean, I've covered Ohio state very closely over the years. I'm an Ohio state fan and I'm real familiar with urban Myers work. Like I think he's going to project well, like I like the staff that he brought to the team. There might be some limitations with that eventually, especially with like Daryl Bevel. Um, but I like bringing him in for right away because he's someone that knows the NFL extremely well. He's worked with Brett Favre. He's worked with Russell Wilson. Like he's worked with some insanely talented quarterbacks. He's going to be able to put his hands on Trevor Lawrence's game and immediately help it translate. He's going to use his athleticism. He's going to use his strong arm on intermediate routes. 
get him outside the pocket. He's a chunk play quarterback, so he's going to be testing those tight windows. He's got experience with those type of guys. Like I love that. He has experience with running backs. He can get a good running game going. And, I mean, we can look at some of the flaws, but I also think it's important to look at those strengths to say he can use a two-back system, and this team might want to use three backs. And we'll see how long that lasts. I don't think it'll last that long. But um, So I think there's strengths to look at. It's going to be interesting because both guys had Percy Harvin. They both loved Percy Harvin. Um, so that's going to be a role. I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I, they're going to shoehorn Travis Etienne into it. Um, but I like a lot of the starters, right? So like I touched on that in this piece where they've added so much talent to the offense over the last two years where starting lineup wise, this is solid. Like if they went and got out, if they got like Zach Ertz, you can't look at the starting offense and say that's bad at all. Like Lawrence is going to have his lumps. He's going to have those moments that are really tough. His stats probably won't be amazing as a rookie, but I bet they're going to be solid. I bet they'll be fairly efficient, especially for a rookie. They'll be good, but their receiving depth is good. They're, the running back depth is fantastic. Like they have a great running back room. It might be one of the best in the league. Um, the offensive line, there's stuff to work with there. I don't think it's bad. I mean, I like Juwan Taylor. I like Cam Robinson. I like Andrew Norwell. So there's a lot of pieces there that you can build around and have a solid unit. I think my concern would be and why they weren't ranked higher is like the depth. And I kind of touched on that. It's hard to build depth in the NFL. <laughs> like the sure. Colts, the big reason why gen, uh, general manager Chris Ballard is you know, basically beloved, which I don't agree with. I think the guy's done okay, not great, <laughs> but it's because they have a lot of depth and depth is valuable. It matters. We saw last year with the Browns, they didn't have any depth. They got wiped out, even with the Jacks. That shouldn't be a one in 15 team, but it just happens to be, you know, they pull, you know, Min, uh, Minshew out and then they started losing games left and right. So I think it was a smart play. Obviously they got their guy um, and to pull Urban Meyer out of retirement. That's, it speaks a lot to Trevor Lawrence's talent. Like there was one guy to get him out of retirement and it was Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I'm, I, I do like this roster quite a bit. It, it's on the up and up. And um, I do think right now the ceiling is probably limited just because it's so young, but projecting forward, if they can keep building a little bit behind those guys so that when they have an injury, it's not catastrophic that, I mean, the ceiling is, it's going to be insane on the team just because of Lawrence, but they've also done things to augment around him, which is great. Sure. No, that's great. And we'll definitely link to that for anybody who hasn't checked that out. We'll retweet it and link to it in the podcast description. Um, from a fantasy football perspective, you know, you mentioned the receiver depth and the running back depth. So maybe those are potential areas that you'll hit on. But uh, from the Jaguars, you know, who do you have on your radar as kind of a, you know, potential breakout player this coming season? I think the obvious guy is DJ Chark at the receiver position, right? Like I love him. Fantastic talent. People forgot about him last year. They won't forget about him this year. Uh, I mean, he's so reminiscent of the other LSU guys. And I think Lawrence is going to hit it off right with those type of talents. We saw him with great uh, playmakers at Clemson. Chark's going to be a guy, similar type of athleticism to what he was used to. So he's going to jump off the screen immediately. Um, I think he's going to be a big producer this year and, and really fight for contract extension. Uh, but Marvin Jones is a great pickup too. And I'm excited to see Jones maybe in a more expanded role. I think what we got used to seeing out of Jones is contested catches down the sideline. He can do so much more than that. He's so much more than just a vertical player. Um, yeah, he's not the most amazing flashy guy, but he's such a solid, reliable guy. Um, stat line, you know, 60 to, 60 to 70 receptions would be a great year for him. I, I don't know that he's going to be the chunk player. I think they need to rely on him on slants quick ins, outs, be the reliable move the chains type guy. 
Uh, I don't know that he's a huge fantasy play for me this year, but I'm watching him and I'm keeping an eye on this offense because if they're more explosive than what I'm thinking, then he's going to be a guy. He might be getting all the touchdowns, right? It might be one of those weird years where like Chark gets 1,200 yards and five touchdowns, like a Julio type of year. And then Jones gets 70 catches, 800 yards, but like 10 touchdowns. So, so he's yeah. on the radar. He's going to be a waiver wire, waiver wire type of guy. Uh, obviously, Chanel, that's the wild card. I would imagine Jaguars Twitter is watching that closely because yep. <laughs> logically, he's Percy Harvin. Yep. When they drafted him, he was the comp. Like you have mm-hmm. Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel, who would naturally take that role. It's Chanel. Sure. And yet they're saying that they want him as a pure receiver. So I just I do wonder on him if he just inevitably takes the role over from ETN because I just think he's a more natural uh, player in that mold. His athleticism fits that game better. Or if that was a decision based off of durability. Maybe they don't think Chenault can handle all of that. And that's totally fair, too. Um, I don't think Chenault has a huge fantasy upside this year just because uh, you have to manufacture touches for that role. Unless if you're manufacturing touches, I just don't think the offense is going to really carry three or four fantasy relevant players. It's hard to do. Again, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. As much as I like those guys, there's just limitations. And it's, it's kind of like a wait and see. Like he's another guy. I kind of wait. If they put him in the Percy role eventually, I pick him up because he's yeah. a better receiver than ETN. And I, I, I just worry because the touches in the, out of the backfield are limited. And then we'll get to that, obviously. So the running back position, right? This is where it's tough. I don't know how to project these guys. <laughs> James Robinson's <laughs> a great talent. Like it was weird to pick ETN. Like I get it from the standpoint of he's a great player, right? He's explosive. He's speedy. He fits the offense. It makes sense. But you already had a really good player at that position. So you're going to shoehorn him into carries and touches at the expense of other players. And so that balance is going to be tough. I, I did a piece on ETN too. It was my first piece of lines. I was kind of looking at his role within the offense. I think they're going to try this for like the first month or so, and then they're going to find out we're not super efficient when we do this. It's not ETN's fault. It's just most offenses can't cater to that type of talent. The only teams that really do, I'm thinking like the Saints and Kamara, um, but even him, a lot of that is screen-based, and they're so good at building those plays that few teams really do that effectively. New England was doing it with Tom Brady. Um it's, it's just one in a million type of situation. And I don't think that, and even look at New England, those players weren't super fantasy relevant. So I'm not spending like a sixth round pick on Travis Etienne. If it's my call, I'm probably not spending a second round pick on James Robinson, even though I do think he'll be effective. And I think he'll take over as the primary uh, back. I think they're just going to have Travis all over the place. And that's not good for fantasy. It's kind of like Chenault, unless if he's like an outside receiver, consistently or a slot guy consistently getting big plays. It's just, he's not going to have the volume to really produce fantasy wise. Um, but it's a good problem for, to have from a team perspective, right? Like I love sure. this offense from a team perspective. I want as many like Colin Johnson, the fact he's the fourth, fifth receiver on this team. That's awesome. Like getting sure. a flyer on Farrell Cooper. Great. Jamal Agnew and Philip Dorsett, special team guys. Awesome. Like the depth is impressive and it's good that they did that. It's just hard from a fantasy perspective. Because you're saying, I kind of want no part of these guys outside of Chark for their current price, um, unless if Robinson can take over as the lead back, which, like I said, I do think he's going to probably get the majority of carries. Um, and I could be wrong on that. It's just that's just a projection, right? And that's, that's the risk that we take. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fantasy is tough. It's almost as if there's a, and maybe you've been alluding to this indirectly the entire time, but it's sort of like the more depth you have, the less attractive the team yeah, is for is. fantasy. Right. I mean, is yeah. that basically, so, you know, I've, I played in the past and I still like keeping up with it because I feel like even if you're not playing fantasy football, all the analysis that's out there is really good just from like the standpoint of keeping up with the league and, you know, all the various players that are out there. But as like a diehard Homer season ticket holder, it's always just completely impossible for me to go out there and like play guys that are like on the field opposing the Jaguars, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> oh, it, it just, totally does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did it for a number of years, but it just felt so horrible to like secretly be cheering for like, I don't know, back in the day, Andre Johnson catching a touchdown yeah. against us or something, you know, so. I've kind right. of put that on hold, but the analysis is still great though. Cause again, I mean, fantasy football, the years that I played, I mean, I feel like that was probably the most knowledgeable I was about every roster for every team yeah. depth wise. It was insane. So I, I almost try to keep that up just from that knowledge standpoint. Um, but we'll definitely link to the ETN piece as well. Cause I did see that out there and that was, that was pretty good. Um, so you mentioned uh, Gardner uh, Minshew uh, from, from last season, you know, kind of like uh, the, the guy that made, you know, the one in 15 season a little bit more interesting than it otherwise should have been. Um, you know, obviously he has probably no you know future here as a, as a starter, clearly with Trevor Lawrence coming on board. Um, you know, how have you assessed his trade value for the Jags and what are the kind of landing spots that you're thinking you might see him, uh, see him end up at? Yeah. So, I mean, I look at him as, and, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Obviously the organization feels the same way. He's a spot starter. He's a high end backup and there's great value in that. That might be for the right team, maybe like a late third round pick or a fourth round pick. Um, he's affordable. So that's super important. You look at the cash strap teams who uh, have backups that might be expensive, like Kansas city. Why would you pay Chad Henney, you know, two, $3 million or more when you can have, Gardner Minshew, who's a better player. Um, I don't, you know, people will talk about the veteran, you know, mindset. It might be a little overrated. I mean, maybe not in the case of Henny, you know, but some of these guys are like almost crippled out there on the field. Like Brian Hoyer <laughs> brings nothing to the table when he plays. Sure. And I get that there's that locker room bonus. There's that film room bonus, whatever, man. I want someone, if I'm a championship team, who can actually play somebody and actually go out there and win a game. The Ravens played Trace McSorley when Lamar Jackson had to go take a dump. Like, it's unbelievable <laughs> to think that Trace McSorley was on the NFL field as a quarterback. So I think there's, there's definitely some teams that could use him. I would look at Washington, uh, Taylor Hineke. 
the guy's not proven at all. He's thrown like 57 career passes. And I know that Ron Rivera likes him, but he wasn't efficient in those plays. He's not someone who has a huge upside. He's already in his upper 20s. So he's affordable. He fits inside the cap. Kansas City, Baltimore makes so much sense. If those guys miss a game, they miss a half, they miss a series, you have to have someone who can come in and just complete some passes, keep the chains moving. Why not? You have a championship caliber roster. Who cares if you throw a late third round pick for this guy or a fourth round pick and maybe a pick swap or something like that. It's very minimal risk. And you get a couple of years of very affordable player. Um, someone who can come in, play on script, play off script, probably plays a little bit too much off script, but there's going to be limitations with the backup. And that's the reality. And you have to deal with that. At least he's not too limited. He's someone that can really contribute to the offense. And depending on the style, I mean, he plays, not like Mahomes in terms of the talent, right? But like Mahomes in terms of the mindset. So I really like that Kansas City fit. Um, a lot of the other teams have backups. Like if I were to look at others, you know, I'd probably say like the Giants maybe because of Daniel Jones' injury history. Sure. But I'm not really sure that that's someone that is going to be itching for a, a backup like that because he's someone, you know, that's a team that if, if he gets hurt, they're going to happily replace him the next year with probably a high draft pick. So they're kind of like in that position that Jacksonville's in. Um, I thought Buffalo made sense until they signed Mitch Trubisky. Um, again, I'm not really sure why they would do that. Tennessee, don't think they would trade him within the division, but, you know, Minshew's an upgrade on most of these guys, right? Like it's, there's very few positions. I think Dallas makes a lot of sense too. Um, Cooper Rush is their current backup. Garrett Gilbert, like those guys can't play. They're, they're not NFL players, period. Um, Prescott coming off of a major injury. Dallas wants to push for a playoff spot. Minshew is easily someone that would be an upgrade. I mean, he'd be an upgrade in that entire division as a backup, but Dallas especially because that coaching staff needs to win this year. Um, so there's a handful of teams. I think he'd be – I think he's one of the best backups in, in the league. But a lot of those teams, it's like, okay, like what's the benefit of, you know, Atlanta trading for him? There's really not. They're going to be tearing it down next year. They could use the asset more than they could use the player. Um, but I'd be looking at those playoff teams, the teams that really want to make that push. Can they afford a game of losing their starter with whoever they have as the backup? I'd say Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore um, really are like the priority teams. Like those teams really can't afford it because they have tight divisional races. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know a lot of us would like to see him stick around. I think he'd be a great backup, like you mentioned, and he's still showing a lot of fire in camp. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's just to you know build his trade value and try to you know snag a, a starting spot somewhere else. But there was a report that he threw a touchdown to ETN and practiced the other day and then walked up behind Urban Meyer and slapped him on the back after he did it, you know, just to kind of make it known. So um, obviously there's no chance he's going to compete for the starting job, but it's kind of cool to see that, you know, he's not one of those guys that's kind of pouting about his situation. He's still out there and, uh, you know, getting after it. Um, and he's obviously a huge fan favorite for sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll kind of wrap, uh, wrap it up and, uh, you know, more than anything, probably aside from just the Jaguar stuff, I'm kind of curious just in reading, you know, your stuff uh, over the years, you know, kind of how insanely in depth you get with the NFL and college football and basketball and like, how does your day today look like? Like, what kind of work process do you have? How in the world do you juggle all of that analysis? It seems kind of uh, uh, kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of it is, uh, so especially with like the betting stuff, right? Like you have to rely on on stats and, and numbers and, and, you know, using programming to kind of find like value in that stuff. So some of that kind of just runs on itself. It's more like background stuff. I'm relying on other analysts. I'm taking information from other analysts. 
um, repackaging it in a sense of like, okay, I, I've seen your evaluations or I've seen, you know, the, the numbers here. If I run them through what I use or kind of rely on other resources, I can come, come to a conclusion. Like there's no way someone can be super in depth on multiple sports. Like my specialty is definitely football. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the betting thing has been something I've been doing for years. So I've always paid attention to it. It was kind of easy. I'm just writing about it more now because there's more sure. of a market for it. Um, ideally I'd love to do NFL and college football, mostly exclusively. I try to stick to most of my analysis of that. Um, everything else is just kind of like daily fantasy or, or, you know, playing those stacks. And so, um, to me, those, those kind of go hand in hand. Like it's not a huge, hugely different process. It's just being educated enough so that, um, I can write about it and speak to it and not be, you know, out of my depth. And, um, so I guess just like daily process is just really planning out what I'm going to write about, paying attention to those things and really just digging into my trusted resources on that. Um, with football, I dive in really head first and I'm always fully on board with that stuff. So um, that's my passion for sure. And um, it's just a little bit different now. It's just the writing landscape has changed a little bit. And so um, I'd love to be full-time football, but you know, the reality of the sports world is that it's changed. And so we kind of have to evolve with that. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it means a lot you coming on just to talk Jags and and uh, talk a little bit about your impressive time management skills, especially because <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, even football itself, you know, Derek and JK3, who are my co-hosts, they're kind of like the X's and O's uh, experts. And, uh, you know, for me, it's still I'm, I'm more of a fan more than anything. And it's definitely uh, one of the most intricate sports, you know, whether it just be the football side or the front office side. And there's so much stuff going on. Uh, in yeah. Jacksonville, especially with the ownership here. I mean, um, you know, they've been huge for the city. They own a, a wrestling promotion outside of just the football promotion. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Jacksonville is all I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And usually during the season, I will say like most of the season, I'll be almost strictly X's and O's for football, you know, because you're right. I mean, literally, uh, you know, your co-host, you could be X's and O's for one team and be more than busy for a full workload for a week. So it's, it's almost impossible on a league-wide level. Um, again, you're picking and choosing. So I'm picking and choosing maybe maybe six games to be super in-depth on. I'm watching all the games twice, um, but they're kind of like the TV copy. And then if I need to go in to, on certain plays, um, in the past it used to be a little bit more detailed. I was doing the cornerback stuff where I was watching every play, charting every, every pass, stuff like that, making notes. So it just depends, right? Like you have to evolve with your role and stuff like that. But if you can be a team X and O guy, that's the way to be. Uh, because it's so much more fun to be a master of one team. I think there's so much value in that. Um, I definitely respect the guys that are doing that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thanks so much, Ian. It uh, means a lot you coming on. Again, you can catch him on Twitter. And we'll put all this in the podcast description as well, at NFL Film Study. Um, Give him a follow. And um, Ian, thanks so much. Uh, Anything else uh, you'd like to end with or anywhere else we can find you or any kind of work that you have coming up here soon? Uh, man, I just, I got stuff coming out every day, so I appreciate it. I always try to interact with everyone that, that tweets me. So I'm always up for just a good talk, whatever it's about. So it doesn't have to be sports could be whatever. So I, I literally read every tweet. So, um, and I try to respond to everything. So, um, just appreciate it, man. It's, it's all fun. And, and that's what we're here for is to have fun and make some observations and own my losses. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thanks everybody for listening to Down by the Bank. Be sure to uh, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't mind, you can find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts as well. 
Um, and uh, appreciate the Blue Wire podcast network. Uh, again, we just started with them a few weeks ago, and it's been a lot of fun so far. And they've got a lot of great content out there for other teams, uh, NFL and otherwise as well. So be sure to check them out. Um, but thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.